Hello everyone, welcome to Birdcast, any podcast recorded inside a live Avery. Today we are out on an Avery visit, but this is a different type of Avery, in that we are visiting a rehoming rescue small bird sanctuary. This sanctuary is located in Perth, West Australia, and is called Little Beaks. Little Beaks is a sanctuary, meaning that the birds that find themselves here, through whatever means, Little Beaks become their home forever. So, welcome to Birdcast, and please introduce yourself to all of us. My name's Fiona, and Little Beaks is pretty much my passion project. I've been building up this sanctuary for about, oh, probably the better part of a decade now. It's kind of two parts of one project. There's the sanctuary, but then there's me wanting to get the laws changed to actually protect these guys. And that's kind of come about because there's just so many birds needing help and all the rescue just fall and I just realised that this cycle just keeps continuing and everything. So I decided that I need to go to the root cause of the problem, which is the legislation side of things. That was kind of born about a few years ago, maybe. Yeah, I know. I just, I love, I had some budgies growing up and I had a very small Avery originally and just the more I learned about them and the more I learned I saw just individual birds and their characters coming out and especially when like I'd taken them in from a small cage situation and introduced them to flock just saw how they changed how they transformed and then I kept learning about bad products for birds and that like the rope perches and everything so the Avery's kept transforming and I think it's just, yeah, I just, this is definitely something that I want to direct my life into. I'm, a, I'm actually an editor full-time on the side, so this is my second full-time job, I guess you'd say, which <laughs> probably doesn't work as well as it could, it should, but <laughs> yeah, this is what I, I just want to spend my life helping birds and helping as many as possible. So how many birds do you have at Little Beaks? Yeah, I haven't counted them all recently. I'd say um, I've got, I'd say between 80 and 100 in the main Avery. Um, it's a mixture of budgies and um, weirdos or cockatiels. And I've got probably 15, 15 or so canaries um, and a couple of doves in that Avery as well. And uh, then we've got a zebra finch Avery, which also has a scarlet um, the zebra finches, I'm sure most, most people familiar with zebras will know that they are notorious breeders. Um, so we've got quite a few of these guys when we moved, when we upgraded the budgie enclosure so that we could help more birds that way. Uh, we moved the zebras from the, uh, the existing one into the old um, budgie apron, which is a bit bigger. How do people come to you? and bring their birds to you, as in, how do they find you? Well, I originally, I have an add on gum tree for Little Beaks. It started out as um, just saying, please read Pet Bird Welfare. That was basically, I just wanted to get the message across on the forum that I saw people using to rehome their birds and to buy birds and everything. And that got like a few thousand views in a few days. So, yeah, I, I, in the beginning, I was just going through all the Gumtree ads, looking for like birds that needed a home, just um, and taking as many as I could in. And yeah, when I had the 
had a had a few people contact me via that ad and ask if I could take on their bird. And I mean, it wasn't as common then because it was just information, really. But then when I um started, I made Little Beaks official. It was originally started with a friend of mine, and yeah, once I started Little Beaks, I got more people contacting me to um, bring their birds to me because they saw how the birds are kept, and they realised that you know, as they learnt more, that their birds might need a different environment. Most people, when they learn, they realise that. They're, they're not giving their birds in great environment on purpose. They really care about their animals and they want the best for them. So they saw what I was offering and they wanted their bed to have that, basically, which is very selfish and I really respect people for that. So now I still advertise on gum so not, not quite as much. Um, I get most of my, because I have pages on um, Instagram and Facebook and I get a lot of inquiries through that now and I guess it's just yeah, building through that way, so it's kind of gone beyond me advertising it now, just people know more about it, so yeah. When did you officially launch Little Beaks? So the original version of it was when I started with a friend of mine, we just had a Facebook group, she rescues birds as well, she um, is a volunteer with um, Black Cocker Trees. Yeah, so we started the page because we just wanted to help people learn about the budgies and learn how to care for them properly and to be able to help help people rehome theirs, not taking them in ourselves, just provide an avenue to find good friends for them. That was in about 2015 and lasted for about a year or so and life got, you know, busy and we went in a bit of a different direction and we um, decided to finish that. And then a bit later, because I, I, I kept going with the bird stuff, just doing what rescue work I could and taking in what birds I could. But um, when I decided to start up Little Beaks again, officially like in a different in a different way, probably about 2018, make it so that I could expand my work and do more with it, rather than just taking in birds, which I continue to do. But um, I guess make it more official and so that I had a name to help people trust what I was doing and to be able to get that, um, I guess, the idea out there so people could have somewhere to come to to find out how they could help or just to see what I was doing with it. Describe to us your sanctuary, as in what aviaries are here, the size and what birds live in them. We've got the one we're sitting next to which is the zebra finches. It was originally just the budgies. It's um, about three metres by two metres ish. I'm very bad at estimating. So in my original for this bit, I had a smaller one at my parents' house. But this, yeah, used to be the only Avery, and it um, had budgies in it only. And then it had a mixture of the finches with it. We started bringing them in, but we realised we needed to get a separate one for them. So um, the second Avery was born, which is just kind of opposite the budgies now. And that's part of all the... Well, it used to have all the finches. It's another one about the same size, slightly smaller than the uh, original budgie one. But that now has the canary. We've got the um, main avery set up just next to the canary avery. And that's four by three metres, I think. That is the main one. That's got all um, the budgies and the euros of cockatiels. And yeah, opposite that one in the, like, kind of in the middle of them all, but like, 
step back is our special needs Avery. They're a bit more vulnerable and they can't really be with the others, but we still want them to be have that flock with them. So that's why we're positioning them more together, like essentially, so they can be a part of it and not be, uh, you know, not be attacked or anything. We have got some special needs in the main ovary as well, like flightless ones. And I, I filed a couple in there at first just to make sure they can get around and we've made some adjustments to make it easy for them to be able to access everything. But um, yeah, as many birds, as many of the special needs we can, we put in the main ovary because, um, you know, we just want them to be part of the flock, not, not separate for because of their um, disability or whatever. And it's, you know, it works really well. Alright, so um, the first Avery is the, the canary, and there's a couple of uh, useful doves, I think it's useful doves, and diamond doves in there too. We used to have a couple of others, but um, yeah, that's. Um, that's oh, there's still a couple of zebra finches in there too, because when we tried to move them across from there, that was a uh, catching zebra finches is a mission, and I think um, I think I burnt many many calories that day. <laughs> my trusty net, and yeah, I just there's a couple left in there, and I just I just would not be caught, so I just let let it be. Um, the Avery next door is yeah the budgies. Uh, which actually I think in America or in other places call them parakeets. Budgies is the um, Australian term for them. Budgerigar, it's actually the indigenous term for them. Um, yeah, that's the budgies and the wheelers, the cockatiels. And there's a couple of uh, plumhead parrots in there too. Um, Wally is the one that's closest to us at the moment. He's, um, he's our old boy and he came from... Um, I think he, he came from a deceased estate, but there was um, some other issues going on. He's, he's partly naked and he had issues with being cut in the past. I think he was bullied by a female. Yeah. We've got him a couple of female friends in there now who are gradually overcome his shyness with them. Um, yeah, I think that's the. Uh, oh, we've got a couple of quails in there, the baby too. And I think that's all the ones in there. And then, let's see, we've got the, I think Avery has the zebra finches, and it has, it has, does have four budgies in here too, because uh, I had to separate them from the main flock because there was um, a bit of aggression going on with uh, fighting over one female, very popular female, <laughs> who ironically used to be the one that didn't like any other birds. But, yeah, anyway, <laughs> she... Uh, they, they seem to be really happy in here actually, so it might be temporary, might not be, but we've also got um, our scarlet parakeet in here, who's a blue mutation, very uh, this is Storm, Storm likes to be a part of everything, he just, he'll come up to the side of the Avery and just, not, you know, not, not interactive, but it's like, hey guys, I'm here, and if you, if you bring the camera out, it's like, yeah, I'm not here anymore. And so he's not, he doesn't, he doesn't like being photographed or anything, but he's just, um, it's he actually waits on the ground now for, um, at a certain time of the day for his, like, veggies to be filled up. And so, yeah, 
they're not there by a certain time. He's just waiting there and he's, yeah, you know, what's up, guys? Why isn't he here yet? But, yeah, he's a gorgeous little guy. And he used to have, he did have a companion, but unfortunately she passed away um, quite recently, looking, trying to find another companion for him. But, yeah, um, he doesn't seem to mind being with these guys for now. So. And do all the little big residents have names? Some of the birds really, they get named when they have a vet appointment because I have to do the name there. But a lot, like the finches don't have names. The finches I can't really tell apart, unfortunately. A lot of the buggies and a lot of the bureaus do. I can tell them apart. Yeah, they if, if they come with a name from their previous time, I keep them because that's, I feel that's part of their identity, their journey. And if not, which a lot of them haven't had a name, which um, really saddens me. They get names when they come here. I noticed that some of your aviaries are planted. Could you tell us about what other types of enrichments you have included in your aviaries? Yeah. Well, this one, this aviary was put there intentionally because that bush was there existing, so it was built over that. We just wanted them to have permanent granary growing. They use that tree all the time. They they do <laughs> they do like to build nests in it. They love climbing on it. They love um, chewing through it and just... They sleep in it. Um, so yeah, the four aviaries in the way. But particularly for parrots, bush that was growing in the main aviary, they've demolished it completely, which most parrot owners would be fully aware of. <laughs> to give um, a kind of visual, fully like healthy and everything. Within about two, two to four weeks, it was half there. The next month it was just, yeah, um, they got a lot of enjoyment from it. And now it serves as an excellent, just wooden, mini, multi-branch stand. And they love climbing and we hang veggies in there and stuff for um, them to chew on. Greenery is so important for them. If you don't provide that kind of, that ability for them to chew and to just destroy things, parrots tend to, they get bored and they turn to other, like, a lot of them develop behavioural issues from not having that kind of outlet and just being able to do what they do is natural for them. In the wild, that's what they'd be doing all day, foraging, going through uh, foliage and stuff. So it's really important to me to provide them with a lot of fresh stuff as often as possible. If they're provided with that and they have no other health issues that for some reason um, cause other problems, the branch, the bark and the, the branches and just the chewing on it uh, should make their nails and their feet just healthy on its own. That's what they do in the wild. I noticed just looking around the aphries, I can not actually see a single dowel perch. Quite, I hate dowel with quite a passion. I know like the cages all come with it and I think um, we used to have maybe one or two at the very beginning but I've replaced as far as I can like I replaced as quickly as I could any dowels that came in. If we take in a bird from anywhere that has in its cage has dowel perches, I swap them out for branches while they're in the cage still. But yeah, no, dowel is just awful. It can cause like when they just have that one surface to sit on all day, especially if they're all the same width, it causes pressure on the same point of their feet constantly, which can cause sores and just it can, it can cause uh, arthritis to develop later on, and just it's just not comfortable for them. So just and I mean branches, they're just nature. They're free, and like they love them. They they help them 
exercise on those they're just more comfortable and especially the bark stuff as much bark as you can get they just love stripping it so yeah i just i make this environment as natural as possible for them if i can do you think that there is a possibility wholesale manufacturers of bird cages and small aviaries might listen to the issues about dow perches and stop putting them in small bird cages i hope so i don't like i think it's like I think it's a difficult thing to get changed. I've been in contact with different companies before about their cages and why they make certain cages and do certain things. And they say it's all about meeting the people's needs and the people like of all um, economic ability and like the pets, the animals' welfare. Obviously, isn't such a priority for most of them. There's some some great ones, but ideally the perches wouldn't be provided with the cage, or they'd have like some pet stores do now. They'd have branches um, already in the cage, or that people can purchase. And in any um, cages, like with the birds, um, so the ones that are selling in the um, display cages. They have uh, branches and what the birds actually need in them, as opposed to the uh, temporary dow perches. Or, in the very least, they have the information saying these aren't um, these aren't suitable for long-term use. They need, you know, this is uh, display purpose or whatever. But they need the branches. Like, yeah, so I'm grateful that one day that with um, some pressure from people because there's a lot of people that agree with this a lot of people that want to see it change what adjustments have you installed in the Mave Avery to accommodate the birds with special needs the corner at the back of the Avery like right under the filter there's got a collection of branches closer to the ground so that any birds that come in with are like really clipped wings and things they can still um you know, they can gradually make their way up and everything and gain their confidence and just be able to chill out on perches if they can't get higher, which some of them, like, haven't been able to properly because either they've been too nervous to move around too much when they came or, um, yeah, they just um, haven't had the strength, and which they're slowly gaining. Um, but, yeah, that's, that was actually meant to be temporary, that little... Um, kind of kind of cubby house structure, but they just they're taken to it really well, and it seems to just be um a place for like the uh, still weeping ones, but um just like all like hanging out there now, and the ones that still can't fly properly, like why not leave it in there? It's just um nice for them to have that, and also it's a good shelter from um sun and rain and that. So, yeah. Oh, when I was um getting this apron made. And made sure there was um, wire under all the uh, shelter as well because parrots love climbing, obviously, and especially the flightless ones, so they can climb very well. Uh, yeah, they can climb everywhere they need to as well. And yeah, so we just added in those branches and made sure that um, there's feed and water accessible on the edges. And we've got a couple. Um, We've got one very old buggy who lives kind of on the ground because she's uh, got quite a big tumour and she's in pretty much um, uh, end-of-life care. Sorry, I'm giving her medication and everything just to help with pain management. But, yeah, so we just make adjustments for her. And who built your Avery's? Uh, this one, the main Avery, came from uh, West Coast in Closes. 
two brilliant guys. Um, they, yeah, they were great. They like, I asked them uh, advice on certain things. Um, like, they custom make everything, and they really like with their experience because they have their own birds as well. With their experience, I know what works and what doesn't, and they gave me suggestions for that to um, yeah, make like everything. Uh, the three. These two, the uh, Mary Avery and the Finch Avery, were made by uh, yeah, a guy living a bit south of here. I'm not sure. Um, he's, I don't know if he's still in. I think he is still in business. I haven't like spoken to him for a while. But yeah, he was also able to. Um, just, I gave him custom, like the measurements and everything, and he was uh, really good about coming to install it. And yeah, the special needs Avery, because that was a later um, addition to like deciding to make that environment taken special needs birds. Um, I actually asked them, just was looking on Gumtree and advertised for one and someone was nice enough to donate it. So yeah, that was really lovely of them and it's been like great to serve the purposes now um, until we can upgrade which we're yeah, hoping to do in the nearest future. What influenced selection of your Avery materials? <laughs> I don't know if these parrots would so much, but I know that um, I know that a lot of parrots take to chewing wood, and that would obvi obviously not ideal. Um, the, I think in the climate as well, I'm not a hundred percent sure on this, but I think especially in the heat and everything, wood tends to be. I don't know if wood insulates, but um, I think it's just it's definitely better in the weather, the outdoors, especially in heavy rain and everything. Metal is just better for. Uh, protection, it's more party, I guess, and um, yeah, as I said, the chewing. So, Ben and um, his team from West Coast and Crazy, they, yeah, they use, like, they um, use their materials and everything to ensure that the parrots can't bite through, because that's um, obviously an issue with um, <laughs> if they can, you know, bite through, they can escape and everything, or injure themselves, which is the major concern. You clearly know a lot about birds, so where did you learn all this information? Yeah, I talk like whenever I take one of the birds to um, vets for checkup, I generally ask a few questions. I'm lucky my vet is very good at explaining things and is um, very patient because <laughs> I do ask questions. Um, but yeah, mainly uh, just googling things. If I say something that I'm unsure of or just hear something that I'm interested about, I just Google and I look for, you know, sites that I trust and um, just, or like go to forums and see people's experiences and yeah, just, just, I mean with the internet now, it's so easy to gain the information you need and I know there's a lot of um, contradicting like opinions and facts um, that may not be facts online, but um, yeah, if you talk to like if you talk to just people with, you know, bird lovers online and everything, you can eventually, yeah, get an idea for what is good and not. And, yeah, but no, most of my knowledge has just come from, like, it's grown over time. I used to, like, in the beginning, my first Avery, I had rope perches. I didn't know any better. And when I learned about them, I took them out straight away, like, learning about how um, they can, you know, ingest the fibres through chewing and everything, which that's, like, parrots especially prone to doing. And, 
yeah, so it's all definitely a, I'm still learning. <laughs> I learn things every day and I learn from other recipes and, um, yeah, just general reading and like online and um, books. So a lot of stuff out there. Could you please explain what a rope perch is? And apart from ingestion, what else is bad about them for birds? Okay, so the rope perch um, is... Explain it, but I think I'm making cotton. So like they've got um I think I think some people know them as um buoying perches. A lot of them have um wire inside so they're flexible and you can bend them to uh, attach to different um uh cage areas and just basically bend them to whatever shape you want for the perch. Um or they can act as um wings that you hang down and they're a kind of cylindrical shape. But um yeah, like the I mean, apart from the ingestion and stuff which is bad in itself because um a lot of them that happen because of death and a lot of birds. Um a lot of them also have um uh cotton like a hanging off them like a just a bunch of cotton, I guess it's a decoration to say. Um, more than anything else, but I know they have, like, birds have been strangled in them, sorry to be graphic, but um, they do, like, they, they get knotted and birds, you know, they get caught in them and it's very sad, but that's another reason these things need to be, I guess, I would say outlawed, but yeah, um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think they're as bad for their feet and stuff as, um, Dow, but they definitely don't provide the um the nail uh, maintenance benefits that branches do or the beaks or anything. So they might provide comfort, but they don't provide any of the benefits, and there's too much risk with them. But there is also um bird safe uh, bird safe rope you can get. Um, I can't remember what it's called. It's uh, I think it's similar to um seagrass mats that a lot of people use, but it's just made out of natural fibers. And these ones are safe for birds to chew. And so if you do want something ropey, then um, that's a really like a safe alternative and it doesn't really pose any risk to your birds, so I would recommend that. Um plastic perches are also like a no go. They're just they're worse than Dow, they don't offer any kind of um benefit to the bird and the surface I mean that's the nature of plastic. They're hard harder to grip and yeah, I just, plastic just couldn't be a thing. Um, yeah, so I think it's mainly those two perches, natural and um, just the bird based um, natural fibers if you can. Seagrass mats. Not everyone knows about them. I can see some in your aviaries. Tell us, what's the advantage of seagrass mats? So, a lot of people, the happy cut thing is a, a lot of people use some. Um, uh, material kind of parts that they hang in their cage, to, um, especially for not so much budgies and that, but for I think lovebirds and conyers that um, seem to like hiding away and I think some of them like sleeping in there. They don't really need to, but a lot of people provide these. Um, yeah, so this is seagrass nuts because they're natural, they're safe for birds chewing up and everything. I provide them um, in the special needs Avery because. They're just more, they're comfortable to sit on their flatter surface, and they mean that if the bird falls or anything, it's got something like it's um it prevents injury. I guess it's 
same percent of the score onto that. But um, yeah, also you can um because you can fold them up and make them into a bit more of a um a I guess an open cave for them to retreat into, like the happy hut serves that kind of purpose. It's a good alternative to that because um yeah, it provides something for them to like sleep in and just uh, I guess in the winter and stuff if people are worried about their birds getting cold it's just a nice little place for them to sleep in. So, so what are little beaks residents eating? Meaning, what do you feed the birds? Oh, a lot of stuff. <laughs> we, um, I love experimenting with them. Maybe nutrition is something I've been really interested in lately, like getting more and more. As I learn how much, because I know a lot of typically with budgies, a lot of people, if, if birds have been on a feed diet early in life, they find it so hard to get budgies onto and yeah, onto the fresh foods and stuff that they need. So these guys, uh, I'll, t I'll take you through a day if you want. I usually um, provide leave for work quite early. Um, in the morning, I give them uh, sprouted, um, a sprouted seed mix, which I usually I make myself now, but um, you can buy them from some stores. So it's just like barley, lentils, a uh, whole like different, any kind of grain really seed, like a uh, whole, I think whole raw seeds and chickpeas, just anything really like that. But, um, uh, Google has a great <laughs> source of information for them. But um, yeah, I sprout them and I mix them with uh, a lot of chopped veggies and fruit and that's generally their breakfast. Um, I think that's the hungriest part of the day for them like it is for us. So um, yeah, I take that around to them in the morning. And then in the afternoon, because I'm out all day, um, they get they do get feed. Uh, they get feed in the afternoon and probably some more veggies. And apart from that, just like if I get other different fresh foods, I just see what they like. And um, I mean, because they're all all the ovaries are on earth, um, especially the quails and the. Um, I think it's canaries, I think they go for the insects and they do a lot of foraging. So, yeah, they just get a bit of everything. And it, it's really good having a flock mentality because those birds have only had seed, which is nutritionally just um, not adequate for them. Um, they see what the other birds are going for and they want to join in. So, they, it's not hard to get them into a good diet. Apart from food, do you also give the birds any supplements or vitamins? I have a special needs. I've just started giving them uh, the good oil, which is a mixture of um, omegas and fatty acids that uh, they don't get from seeds and whatnot. Um, because they are a bit more vulnerable and their immunity is a bit lower, the, my avian vet actually recommended it. And it just it contains that extra stuff that just will help them to be a bit stronger and yeah so it just mixes them with their seeds and I don't give them anything apart from that because they are they're fairly good with the fresh food and they get most from that so but apart from that these guys yeah they don't get anything extra so is Little Beaks a Fiona show or is a family show going on here I'm very lucky that my partner is basically the best with both of I am and my mother-in-law too uh, she uh, because like it is 
quite difficult with working full time and not being able to spend every day with them. Um, she does a lot of the uh, stuff during the working week, and especially since it's getting into winter and getting dark early. But by the time I get home, it's nearly dark, and yeah, so I don't have as much um, visibility or time to do the food and water and all that kind of stuff. So she does take care of that during the week for me. And my partner, he's really like, he's great. He's just, he loves birds. He's really good at maintenance and just practical tasks and stuff. He set up the mixture systems for the aviaries and just for the bird in trouble or anything. He just gets up and, you know, does what needs to be done. And he's an amazing support to me. And because I, I mean, I often get quite emotional and he just, yeah, I mean, aside from loving the birds himself and everything, he's just there for me when I need to, I need to vent or if, yeah, just need that from him. So. Yeah, that, I mean, they're both great for that, so I'm really lucky. Obviously, it costs money to run a sanctuary, so who funds Little Beaks? I'm, I'm lucky I do work full time, and so is my partner, and I don't like shopping, so all basically everything I All of my, apart from the normal bills and stuff, yeah, it's it's self-funded pretty much. Um, I have recently set up an account to be able to take contributions from people because I just realised that to be able to maintain and expand or just to help more birds, I probably do need a bit more than I'm getting in at the moment from my my job. So, um, yeah, I do have an account open now, but from the beginning, I haven't wanted to turn it into business or anything. Um, just everything, as much as I can that I make goes to the birds. And, yeah, just, I've got some lovely people who have helped over time. They've, when a lot of the time when people realise it's self-funded and they bring birds over, they do give me something, which is very kind of them. And a lot of people like to bring over veggies and other suppliers. People are really, people are very generous and unlucky in that regard because they want, like, they see what is happening with the animals and they want to help them. So. I need to be able to help more birds who are going to need to upgrade the main avery. I did arrange a, um, a GoFundMe to... Um, be able to take any contributions to be able to, yeah, to be able to get that done, basically. Uh, I talked to Ben from West Coast Enclosures to figure out the best design for it and, you know, to get the costumes and everything, and he was good enough to do a discount for us since we're a rescue. But yeah, then I put the word out on uh, the social, my social media pages just to see if anyone wanted to contribute and yeah, there were some fantastic people who were um, nice enough to put money towards it and um, that ended up paying for about half of the Avery. So, yeah, really grateful that they did that and have had some people contact me privately asking if there's any way to contribute. And, yeah, so, um, but while, while we are mostly self-funded, there's been those those people contributing, which I'm kind of really, really grateful for. Cause, I mean, it is expensive to like people. I mean, I wouldn't, wouldn't change it for the world. Like, even though it uh, takes up most of my money in that, it's um, totally worth it to me. But yeah, no, wonderful people that um, that help us out and everything. So, if I was a pet bird owner, as in, say, I had two budgies in a small aviary and I could no longer keep my birds, and I wanted to give them to you. Could you explain the process as in what would happen? Okay, like, if someone messages me and um, just asks if I can take in a bird, I find out as much as I can about that bird, the story and everything, any issues, 
um, like tell you know what why they're rehoming for a start and if I can I will try and help them actually treat the bird unless I think it might be um, better for the bird to come here. But yeah, I find out the whole story and if we agree that uh, they want the bird to come here or at least to check out this place, I invite them around and find out as much like things that like health issues and any like I find out the bird's favourite foods and things like that so I can prepare before they come and get some things in the aviary that are comfort to it. I just show them around the sanctuary, show them what I do and give them a bit of an introduction to it all and yeah um, a lot of the time they just bring their bird and they just see it go into the aviary and occasionally I'll take um, if it's got a specific toy or something that it's like I'll put that in the aviary temporarily while it gets custom to the surroundings. That toy actually on the side of the aviary there has been there for a long time and no one ever plays with it anymore but one of the budgies that came here uh, a few years ago that was it uh, it was obsessed with it wouldn't stay away from it kept trying to keep the other budgies away from it and gradually as it became like started bonding with the other budgies it forgot about it but that was just a source of comfort for it in the beginning I think and yeah I don't know if it was an unhealthy attachment but it certainly like certainly seemed happy with it so I just yeah thought I'd makes the transition a bit easier. Anything I can do to lessen the stress on the bird and to reassure the people that they're coming, you know, that the bird's coming to a good place and that after that, I just, if they want, I um, send them updates to show how the bird's flying and, yeah, just any, answer any questions they have, really. A couple of times, um, people have said that their bird has an issue, like an injury or health issue or whatever, and probably they need vet treatment, but... I, um, I just say, look, there's a reason they haven't sought the vet treatment and I don't, you know, everyone has different circumstances, like, I don't, I don't judge, I just do what I can to help them. These people, I find out what I can and then I take the bird from them and get it treat, like, go get the vet to see it and carry on with any treatments or whatever. But otherwise, apart from that, yeah, there's not usually any special preparation or anything that's done. Yeah, it's just the questions I ask and get them to ask anything they want of me and just make sure everyone's happy, basically. I would say that while, you know, ideally birds would just be, um, you know, in the wild, that's definitely not the case with, I definitely wouldn't say that people should be releasing pet and domestic birds. I, I know some people believe that that is the way to go, but it's definitely not. These birds wouldn't survive in the wild. Any birds that are in every situation and that that are intended for release go through a you know go through a long process of rehabilitation and preparing them to be able to survive in the wild i do know that people have for various reasons released birds and it's very usually a very sad outcome for those birds because you know, they're you know, they're at risk of um, predation and just not being able to find food and shelter and yeah, they just don't um they just don't have the knowledge to survive really. So very sad. And I know like I have heard of people in the past releasing birds to give them that freedom and I have also heard of people releasing birds they uh just don't want to care for anymore, which is really heartbreaking. And anyone in that situation, or if anyone knows anyone in that situation, I'd say, 
actually tell them to contact a, a vet or a rescue or just talk to someone because uh, most organisations and yeah, people will be willing to help take the bird for you or just give you advice on how to handle it because no one wants to see these birds suffering from that kind of, you know, from that release. So, if money was not an issue, what is your ultimate goal for Little Beaks? I mean, I'd love to build, like, as big aviaries as possible. And, but, I mean, ultimately, ultimately, there wouldn't need to be aviaries. Like, I mean, obviously, I love having these guys and everything, but ultimately, if the law got changed and there was, like, more protection for them, um, I would have less need to take those in. And, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to lie. There is that <laughs> selfish aspect where I love, I love keeping them and I love giving them the life that they have. Um, yeah, the end game is that, um, like, to have the law change so that um, breeding of this type, like the unethical breeding for overpopulation, comes to an end. That pet shops aren't allowed to sell um, those dangerous products, unsuitable cages, everything gets outlawed. And I realise this is extremely ambitious and very difficult and um, very long term <laughs> if, if it like if it happens I'm you know it keeps me going the belief that I can do something especially with the support that I'm getting from so many people now um, it's like quite amazing quite overwhelming that people want these things to happen and they are prepared to help they just need someone to stand up start acting and do what needs to be done and that's what I'm trying to do I'm trying to yeah I'm trying to get the ball rolling and do what like a lot of people say that you know these things are never going to happen like nothing's going to change like nothing's going to change if people don't try to do something and even if it takes a long time like I'm this is you know I mean this until things get done so I'm not like long time well, thank you, Fiona, for showing us little beaks and sharing so much information with us about your efforts to provide a forever home for your birds that you choose to care about. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I really, really appreciate being able to do this. Thanks for listening to Birdcast Day, and we hope you found our Avery visit to Little Beak Sanctuary inspiring, as well as thought-provoking, especially concerning the use of Dow as only perch option for caged birds. Sure, you will be hearing more about this issue in the future. Now remember, we have an Instagram, which is birdman underscore that. Alright everyone, goodbye! <laughs>